On today's episode, Joe and Casey talk to the founder of Strategic America, Mike Schreers. They talk about how Mike got his start in the industry, building a business, and how the agency has evolved over the last 40 years. It's ASAP, a Strategic America podcast. And this is the theme song. And we don't have much time, just need it ASAP. Okay, thanks, bye. Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of ASAP, a Strategic America podcast. I am Joe Emmons, and I'm hanging out today with Casey. Hey. And we have the distinct pleasure of a very, very special guest for you guys in store today. Um, I think you're in for a great treat, a lot of awesome stories. If you have followed this agency for any length of time, um, I think that you will be very excited to hear what we have in store for today's show. Yeah. Um, Casey, tell me a little bit about what's been going on this week, though, before we get into it. It feels like it's gone like a whirlwind to me right now. (laughs) It's a little bit of a whirlwind, but, you know, the whirlwind is winding down. And now we're here with Mike, Mike Schreers, the chairman, chief strategist, founder of Strategic America, where we all are. So good to be here. Thank you so much for being here. So usually we start out the podcast and it's a segment called Living the Dream because what we're all doing here is we're living our dream, what we dream to do, but it doesn't seem right to say living the dream to you because you started the dream that we're all living. So we're going to call this Dare to Dream. And so just what – I'm scared all the time, so I can't imagine being like, I'm going to start my own company. So what made you just – how did you do this? How you know it was? Uh, I have to. I just have to say, I, I was never scared. Uh, that sounds a little bit strange. Uh, maybe it was because um, I was so ready to make a change that that change seemed to be the pathway. The door was open, mm-hmm. and and I would say this: the door was open because. What I, what I had previously done was start a company for a broadcast group. The company was Carnaby Square for Blackhawk Broadcasting. It was a remote television production company. Along the way, I also did some kind of advertising agency type of activities. And I learned that clients really liked working with me, uh, even though the client-facing part of it did scare me just a yeah, little bit. Sure. And I always felt like I needed somebody else to do that. I, I just wanted to do the work. I really mm-hmm. just wanted to do the work. But, um, you know, along the way, it became something that, um, the the whole, you know, we're sitting here just outside of what used to be known as the Dream Center in this oh, building. I didn't even <laughs> think of that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's gone far beyond anything I would have dreamt of, anything yeah. I would have imagined or even would have uh, <clears throat> planned for. So it's gone beyond the dream. And it's because that when you focus on the important things in this business, and I have to just say, there's important things and then there's all the mythical things that mm-hmm. kind of distract us and, yeah. and try to garner some level of attention. Those marginal things are, uh, oh, you know, you could go back and say, was there any element of madmen in this business? <laughs> Not there? really. Oh, okay. uh, no, no, that era was uh, about a half generation before me, although I saw, I, I saw snippets of it and saw how it, uh, you know, it distracted a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, the important thing is the people. It's always the people. 
And if you don't understand that, then you'll never understand how to be successful in a business that requires people. I don't care what this future looks like. It will never be AI-focused. I mean, Mm -hmm. it may be AI-focused when it comes to uh, delivering some of it. It may be AI-focused when it comes to the technology side of it. But this is really a people business, and it means being able to look at a client across the table and saying, here's our recommendations, and here's why. And believing it. And you can really... I I can feel, and even my husband, when Mm -hmm. we're at the holiday parties, can feel how much you care about the people within the walls, our clients. I mean, it's true when you say it's people. You can feel that that's what matters to you. So I've been here just actually uh, two years today. Today is the two-year mark. Casey, you've been here for 13? About 15 years. I started as an intern. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and and I remember so two years ago I remember coming in and they um, on our internet site the better way that we have in house uh, they were putting something together with the the youngest or the not the youngest the newest essay associate and the 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 original essay associate so I sat down and, and got the chance to talk to Mike that. and Ronnie was taking some photos Ronnie yeah. Miller I um, one of our other folks on the digital and creative team here um, and I remember talking to Mike and thinking man. Like this guy is passionate about what he does and he's passionate about the people in this building. And I still feel that way two yeah. years later and yeah. super cool to to um, see Mike. And, and I always love it when you or John both ask me about, you know, how our little man's doing at home yeah. and how the wife's doing and all that stuff. It Absolutely. is. I, I mean, we feel that here. Mm-hmm. And on the other side of it, too, um, as a people business, I think um, when you think about, you know, whether you're selling a product or a service or you're trying to market these things for these things for clients. Um, you know, you're marketing to people Yeah. in that regard. Yeah. You know, it just can't be missed. And that's why the important part of our business is storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't tell stories about machines yeah. no. <laughs> <laughs> and what machines can do. Although some of our clients uh, have machinery mm-hmm. that needs to be sold. <laughs> no, you really, you really are talking to people and you're trying to address what their concerns are, what their aspirations, ambitions, uh, uh, expected outcomes are. And because of that, you have to learn how to process things in a relational manner and in the processing of that and then telling a story that addresses that, that causes some level of resonance and some level of you care about me. Uh, That's that's always going to be an important part of our, our industry. It's a powerful thing for sure. And and one of these things that I think is very interesting about this particular agency um, in this company, in my perspective too, is um, one of the relationships that we have in-house. Uh, we were talking a little bit before we started the show about your brother, John, who's mm-hmm. been here for 37 out of our, our 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that's really cool and unique that that partnership has led you guys both down this path. Um, and, and can you talk a little bit about what the relationship's been like with you guys and just that process of getting to just do something like this with your brother? Working with your brother? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think almost anybody that knows us knows that we've got a very special relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm the oldest of the siblings. John's the youngest of the siblings. <laughs> there are three girls in between. And, you know, I, almost everybody that I talk to is mm-hmm. just kind of... Uh, um, they they admire the relationship that John and I have, and it comes uh, with no level of competition, but a mm-hmm. lot of uh, concern, compassion, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just complementary skill sets that work. Even when we started, I think John uh, John had gotten into broadcasting. He had gotten into the radio side of things. I got involved in the television side of things. Um, 
we're wired a bit differently, yeah. but we're wired in a way that just is necessary in terms of moving the agency forward. So even when we started 40 years ago, I think John was saying, I hope at some point I have an opportunity to work together with my brother, and I'm glad it oh, worked out that way. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's one of I it's a very unique thing, um, you know. And I've got I've got an older brother as well. And just thinking about it from that perspective, it would be I, I mean, that's a big blessing. I think yeah, to be able yeah, to to yeah. have that relationship and and kind of experience that process of doing well, this for the last four years. Together. First of all, it's great to celebrate the things that are good that happen together mm-hmm. with somebody that you really care about and and uh, is important to you. Um, The downside of it is that sometimes you become overly protective and you say, oh, gee, I don't don't want John to go through this. And John (laughs) says, I don't want Mike to go through this. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we both care an awful lot about the the, um, entity known as Strategic America and the people involved with it. And we can feel that. Yep, I think our clients feel that too, for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a special place. So um, let's back up just a little bit. Um, I know we had an interesting point here that I don't want to completely gloss over. Um, if there's an interesting story, let's see how you got into broadcasting. Was there anything that led you down that path when you were younger that said, <laughs> I want to I want to go in and, and be that guy behind the camera, behind the show to make this happen? Well, um, you know, in about 1970, well... No, actually, it was earlier than that. It was the fall of 1968 that I walked into a television studio. Back then, there was no cell phones. Uh, I thought maybe there was a phone booth there, (laughs) and I could call somebody that I needed to call. I walked in, and and I thought, what the heck? I'm going to put in a job application. Next day, I was running the camera. Wow. Um, And probably in two and a half months, I was directing. And I thought, man, this is so much fun. I mean, this is so much fun. the ability to do something and influence an awful lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it wasn't terribly auspicious uh, yeah. in terms of my beginnings. I think the first show I did was a sporting event. And, yeah. uh, you know, some people would call it a faux sporting event. It was all-star wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, then I did Romper Room, which was even <laughs> nice. a step uh, up from that. It, it was, it, but very quickly, uh, they saw my compa- my passion and my commitment to it. And they said, you, can, you should be a director. And then when I started getting director's assignments, uh, I looked at the copy and I thought, this copy isn't good enough. Let me suggest some changes. Let me write mm-hmm. it. And clients began to say, well, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I want to work with Mike. And uh, not only did they see my, my commitment and, and talent, um, but, you know, it, it just became so rewarding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so this was all in Waterloo. This was in Waterloo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, you know, the previous enterprise that I started, <laughs> enterprise is a big word for a, <laughs> a company, but we did Today Shows around the country. Uh, one, oh. of the, one of the big <laughs> events was doing a Today Show with Barbara Walters back on October 5th. Of, you got uh, to meet Barbara. I, I directed Barbara. Oh, my oh, gosh. Yeah, uh, October 5th of 1970. It was part of the bicentennial series of the Today Show. Did oh did so many things, you That's know, incredible. and 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 it was. We traveled the country. I mean, honestly, in that entire time, I probably worked seven days a week. I probably on. Uh, at a low end, I probably yeah. worked 65 hours. At a high end, I worked 95 hours. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was 
a little stupid, but <laughs> you can only do that if you're doing what you love, though. Well, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and you know, fortunately, you know, when I got home, my wife still loved me. So. Oh. <laughs> well, that's what. Claire had told me the Today Show. She's like, ask him about the Today Show. I'm like, what do you mean the Today Show? And uh-huh. I was just like, yeah. It's, so it did was, they offer you a job at the Today Show then? Yeah, they did. After the show, they offered me a job as a unit manager. And, uh, you know, for those who really know the industry, it was just prior to what was a congressional investigation of the NBC unit managers. And I don't know that the Today Show was so much of a focus, but I mm-hmm. think there were some things about people signing blank chits uh and then they filled in the uh you know they filled in the proper amount or the improper amount (laughs) Uh, so i never i never got involved in that but i i I, you know i was working crazy hours i knew that if i got a job uh with the today show um you know i would be out of control Mm -hmm. and uh that wouldn't be good and i wasn't terribly looking forward to moving from iowa to new york city either so anyway uh, you know, it all worked out. Well, I'm glad God. you didn't take that job because <laughs> yeah, otherwise we wouldn't be here. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so it sounds like I, I remember having a little bit of that chat back two years ago when we were talking about that. And it sounded a little bit like that was kind of the beginnings of figuring out what that was going to look like here in Iowa and what what you were um, kind of charting yeah. as a course. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when I was in college, I took uh, business and marketing. I took an advertising course that I just thought whoever was teaching it really did not know anything about advertising. <laughs> and if if he could have discouraged me just by his lack of understanding of the industry, uh, that probably would have done it. But I had a real world experience in it. I loved it. I thought... Uh, this is this is modern day meritocracy. Yeah. It is if you're good, if you're committed, you can not only influence a lot of people, but you can influence a lot of action. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know that probably explains a little bit of our our commitment on the public service side of things mm-hmm. yeah. uh, to charities, nonprofits, good causes. Uh, I mean, we've got clients today that are trying to solve the uh, opioid epidemic, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that are trying to solve uh, how do you revitalize rural America, that are uh, helping women in their third trimester to sense whether something's right or something's wrong with their uh, pregnancy, to uh, pancreatic cancer, to, oh my goodness, I think if we had our choice, we'd just be working on nonprofit causes. Yeah. <laughs> but fortunately, we've got paying clients. Yeah. Well, no, and I think it's great that if someone comes in and they're passionate about mm-hmm. something, you give us the opportunity to use our time here yeah. to put towards the things we're passionate about outside of the office that are going to help the community. Yeah. yeah. It, it rounds us out so much. I mean, when you can connect head and heart, amazing things can happen. And, you know, if you're only working on the basis of, well, this is just a logical construction of my career, mm-hmm. mm, I'm not so sure that great things can happen. Uh, but when you can put head and heart together, yep. amazing things can happen that you couldn't even have uh Uh, projected. Yeah. Yeah. It ties a lot back to what Casey was saying earlier too. I mean, that sometimes the only way you can get to a certain level of execution or, or talent or skill or putting in that level of work is to absolutely love and be passionate about the cause that you're serving. Mm -hmm. And I, I agree, Casey, wholeheartedly that I think that that is a big, big special thing that we have here at SA. And I thought that was super cool to see all this work that we do that is, um, 
I guess to back up, I, I, you know, before this is the first agency job that I've had. Mm-hmm. So before I came into the industry, you know, not understanding what necessarily it was all about. If you looked at it from an outside perspective, you might think that, oh, we're just all, we're all trying to sell products to people. We're all mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. have our spin and, and get people influenced to just <laughs> buy things. Um, and, and that's a pessimistic look at it, but um, it was so refreshing and so awesome to me to come into a place that obviously cares so much about the community and so much about yeah. um, influencing causes that are really changing the community in the world. And that's um, yeah. that's an awesome thing to get to be a part of. So mm-hmm. thank you for, for yeah. that. And, well, you know, so sometimes people look at our industry from a very flat perspective, mm-hmm. and that doesn't begin to acknowledge the um, dimension of uh, caring, commitment, uh, really the dimension uh, that that brings to everything that you do. Mm-hmm. You know, you stretch out in ways that you would otherwise not even begin mm-hmm. to address just because you care so much. Yep. So, you know, so when you go home, you're saying, Man, you know, that project, boy, I really ought to do a little room research. And <laughs> so I'm not saying it becomes a without boundaries type of thing. <laughs> sure. But the boundaries no longer are defined in a flat, no linear way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it's not it's not stuck in a in a box necessarily yeah, yeah for yeah. sure and what's great is we can put all of our talents that we have in mm-hmm. this building like because there's just so many diverse talents mm-hmm. towards something we care about like we can ask for media can we get this place like yeah. it, you know and we can get in front of people with things that matter to us so mm-hmm. exactly right mm-hmm. it's fun and one one last thing, maybe before we go to break here too, um, one of the notes we had was to to kind of look back over some of those highlights that we've had over these forty years, and some of those projects maybe that you were super proud of, or just a moment um, in the agency, or in your personal life through this process that um, have really stood out to you. Really been those big um, milestones, or not even a small thing that just you really <laughs> felt over the last forty years that really stuck with you. Is there anything like that that comes to mind? Oh, it does. You know, um, before I started, I, I went around and talked to a couple of my clients that liked what I was doing in my previous job in television. And I remember uh, running across this one guy at a car dealership, uh, uh, Clarence, and he said, well, Mike, this is a terrible time to start a business. It's 1980. (laughs) Don't you know that the farm economy sucks? And, you know, because of that, manufacturing is going going into decline. You know, the interest rates are 17%. What is wrong with you? And I said, well, you know, it seems to me it's the right time for me. And by the way, Clarence, uh, (laughs) when did you start your business? You said, well, it was 1933. I said, okay, I rest my case. Uh Uh I think one, you know, something like that too, I think is a testament to the drive and the passion and, and just willingness to figure it out, which I think is something that we, um, we champion a lot here too, is, is always trying to find a better way to get things done. And, and just, you know, just because it doesn't look like a great time on the outside doesn't mean the opportunities aren't there. Uh, And I think you guys found those, you know, and in, frankly, many of the things that kind of were breakthroughs really look like problems, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. early on, you know, whether it was just my own fear of being a salesman or being somebody that did new business pitch which was a real fear, or whether it was, uh, you know, something that a client gave us, which seemed impossible. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that there were multiple times that clients brought us things that seemed impossible, Uh either deadline wise or goodness, how do we do that? Uh, And then all of a sudden we discovered um, 
you know, this impossible assignment is possible and we are going to do something innovative and we're going to do something that breaks out of what might be a routine or a norm. And that became a defining element to who SA is. And that kind of ratchets, you know, it just, mm-hmm. you do that and then you move the boundaries of what you're capable mm-hmm. of and then you do it again. And that's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Well, I think we're going to take a quick break here, take but a break. Yep. Yep, we are, uh, we're listening to ASAP here with our chairman and founder, Mike Schreers. Uh, we'll be right back after the break. Love what you've heard so far on ASAP? Follow us on social media by searching Strategic America. You can also sign up for our newsletter and check out new blogs at strategicamerica.com. Now back to the show. It certainly is a big bun. It's a very big bun. Big fluffy bun. It's a very big fluffy bun. Where's the beef? Welcome back. Um, What you just heard was... I'm sure you know Where's the Beef, which is a Wendy spot from 1980. And we actually have a relationship with Wendy's. And Yeah. Uh, you know, we started with Wendy's in the uh, kind of relocation of one store in Waterloo. And when we got involved with it, uh, you know, very quickly we came to understand that there's a big opportunity here. And before we knew it, we had an opportunity to work with 180i Back then it was called ADI. Now it's called uh, DMA, Dominant Market Area. Uh, Anyway, Uh, and, uh, you know, we just developed some great relationships. And I have to just say, 37 years ago, we started working with Wendy's. Every July 1st, we get a phone call from the guy that hired us from the franchisee, and he said, he says either to Mike or John, he says, guys, the best decision I ever made was bringing Strategic America into my oh, team. Oh, yeah. Fabulous. That I mean, just awesome. great relationships. That is awesome. Yeah. And I had an opportunity to work with Dave, too. What's he, what was he Dave like? Dave Thomas. Uh, Dave is pretty much what Dave wanted to be. <laughs> you know? I tell you what, when he came into a store in a new market, if there was one thing that was wrong in terms of the whether the restroom was clean, there were people who needed to find a new career path. Oh. <laughs> he was very concerned with yeah. the details. Sure. And, uh, you know, he was just very concerned. Yeah, he he was uh, passionate about his brand, mm-hmm. and you know yeah. it, some of his brand constructs were, you know they serve square hamburgers, which mm-hmm. meant yep. we don't cut corners on quality. Yeah, <laughs> and we're you know it was fresh, never frozen, and yep. those are still uh, Wendy's uh, brand constructs. Yep. And you know today we're one of four agencies um, that serve Wendy's around the country, and couldn't be prouder, proud of the fact that not only do they serve a great product proud of the fact that they do it and have inspired so many entrepreneurial careers, frankly, mm-hmm. but proud of the fact, too, that they have a, a, a CSR, corporate social responsibility related to adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's brought kids into families. It's fabulous. I love it. It is, it is a, a, to our point we were talking about earlier, that's such a cool thing to see yeah. businesses really stand behind those kinds of causes um, mm-hmm. and, and really just kind of champion, mm-hmm. you know, giving back. Yeah. And also just community. from the creative side, anytime we get to do anything oh, with yeah. Wendy's, it's like, 
oh yeah it's so yeah. fun i mean it just charges you get like yeah. creatively well, uh, charged up from it yeah about a year ago we did something uh with the ncaa march madness mm-hmm. yep. buzzer beater promo and uh yeah it's it's made us smarter they were a client that was really sharp very rigorous in terms of the media planning media buying side of things mm-hmm. uh and it's made us a better agency which is always the case with great clients it makes us a better mm-hmm. agency yeah, one of the things that I saw early on that was pretty cool too. Um, I think Casey, you and Heath maybe were working on some of their their app coupons or writing mm-hmm. some copy and, and testing some things out, which is really cool. Which, looking at like the mobile side of things, it kind of leads me back to think about how things have kind of evolved since this all began. I mean, it's evolved. The agency's obviously evolved in in, in scale and scope and size and what we can do, but yeah. just the industry's evolved some too. Can you talk a little bit about some of the changes you've seen through the well, last? Well, yeah, actually, uh, probably one of the big changes was in nineteen eighty. CNN started. It was the superstation. You know, it was 24-hour news cycle. Uh, I don't think anybody understood what a 24-hour news cycle would eventually come yeah. to, but it's now like you can't, you, you have to fill the beast, and then you have to respond to the beast, mm-hmm. and then you have to, you know, figure out how to uh, buy and manage around it. Well, it was the beginning of fractionalization of media, too, and today, you know, back in 1980, it was um, four networks, including PBS, uh, you know, it was much uh, simpler in terms of radio, uh, terrestrial radio versus, uh, uh, you know, all of the other uh, online options, uh, mm-hmm. Spotify and Pandora and everything else. Mm-hmm. It was um, uh, it, it really didn't have as much in the way of metrics, uh, although kind of everybody knew when it worked. Uh, and when it didn't, um, but the metrics became terribly m- much more important, and it became something that became a science in its own right, mm-hmm. uh, a science that really has uh, evolved into this industry being both an art and a science, mm-hmm. the art of communications, the art of developing uh, a compelling brand, and the science of figuring out, you know, is this delivered to the right audience? Mm-hmm. Is it delivered in a way that will be the um, optimal investment for our clients' dollars? No one has enough money to spend on everything that they want to do. Well, maybe sure. maybe a couple of the big boys <laughs> do. But, but we've never found anybody that had enough money to do everything they wanted to sure. do. So, you know, so much is – one of the things that's changed in our industry was that when I started, it was roughly about four people per million dollars worth of billing. Yeah. So if you were a $100 million agency, you could expect to see 400 or so people working for that agency. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, uh, and it depends on the kind of work that you do, mm-hmm. but that has gone down below one per million in terms of the ratio. And some of that's been efficiency. Some of it's been forced efficiency. And some of it's been, you know, um, the how, how do we how do we do things in the way that uh, creates a better experience with technology mm-hmm. uh, that otherwise wouldn't have been available without technology? Yeah, that's that's an interesting kind of insight. There is how technology has changed the industry from the standpoint of like what is actually possible to get done with a certain amount of folks. And, um, to me again, you know, coming into a, a 120 person agency, I think when I started Mm -hmm. or somewhere close to that, um, it was a big place to me and, um, and seeing what we were kind of outputting with that was really cool. I think that's, um, that's, is cool to see how that's evolved with those numbers and how that's changed. And it kind of makes sense with the technologies behind it. But, um, is there, 
a piece that has stayed the same that you've seen? I mean, I know we talk about technologies changing and we talk about the agency itself evolving, but are there any through lines that back in, you know, it held true back in the 80s when we were starting this out and it really holds true, true now as well? Well, yeah, a couple. Uh, first of all, change is the constant, you know, <laughs> and now it's not just uh, change over a course of uh, several months or a year, mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, multiple year horizons. It's now change whatever at the speed of culture. Mm-hmm. It's at the speed of business, and every industry is a little uh, a little unique in that regard. Um, but we're all exposed to change, and most of us are exposed to change in terms of how quickly it's reported uh, in mm-hmm. terms of the metrics. So change is, is a factor. I think mm-hmm. the other constant really is uh, how does a brand build trust? Mm. And, uh, you know, without trust, um, there may always be a, a better solution that is available, a cheaper solution, uh, a more you know, digital or disruptive solution. But if you don't have trust, what have you got, you know? And we have chosen to focus on the category, uh, the categories of home, health, and wealth. Mm -hmm. Well, in all three of those categories, it's not so much a transactional uh, business uh, model. It It is a business model that is focused on, if you're gonna come into my home, I need to trust you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to be the invited guest. You need to be able to understand that whatever uh, you are doing here with your product or service in my home, it has to kind of match up to the context of everything else that I do mm-hmm. in my home. And so it just puts a higher level of importance on it. And I think that's kind of what we've learned along the way. It's probably something that a lot of people who are disruptors don't understand. And they they may have an impact uh, for a period of time, but they may not have that longer-term impact because that trust issue is critical. And when you start thinking about things like Internet of the Home, when you start thinking about all the devices that are now somehow connected mm-hmm. and you know the whole security aspect associated mm-hmm. with that, you are now talking about a much higher level of consideration related to the trust factor. And I think that's something that SA knows and has known for quite a while very well. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we it, it seems like we really strategically like placed emphasis on those kinds of things and on that relationship. And there's value in that. There's value in that relationship with the individual. There's value in that trust, to your point, that you can't necessarily... Um, there's certain efficiencies that are hard to build into trust in a yeah. relationship. Um, but let, let me just bounce off of that yeah. one, though, Joe, uh, because along the way, one of our first primary clients is Lennox. Mm-hmm. We've worked with them for 39 years. Yeah. And uh, along the way, we always wanted to grow. But we always heard this uh, aspect from the client that says, well, you know, you guys are doing such a great, you, you represent, quote unquote, the gold standard of service uh, for our dealers around the country. And we don't want you to grow beyond your ability to retain that gold standard of service. Well, somewhere along the way, a couple of our key people, including John and Bryce and uh, another individual, uh, began to ask a what if question. And it was in 1997, 98. And the what if question is, what if we developed a web-based tool that allows us to better serve all of our Linux dealers? And that tool initially became known as Strategic Market Planner. Later, it became known as Metis. Today, it is almost fundamental to our ability to handle those 
disparate dealers across a broad platform with common uh, needs, and yet it can be customized. So in 1998, we developed that, and it opened the door. But the bigger story is it's how do you, how do you for every aspect of technology that you bring to the table, you better bring, and this is a megatrends quote from <laughs> way back, you better bring an equivalent or greater level of touch. Turn tr- touch into trust, and I think you understand what the magical element of SA is. Wow, that is, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, it's hard to to follow that. I mean, I think that makes makes a lot of sense. You're scaling at the same mm-hmm. time that you're providing that relationship as well, which is a challenge to do. I so think talking about trust, this is kind of off the topic, but we, we talked to Kelsey on the second episode. We kind of forced him into it, and he mm-hmm. was he was talking about when he showed you his portfolio, and he's like, and I showed it to Mike, and it was terrible, which I'm sure it wasn't, but it's Kelsey, and he's like. <laughs> But then he hired me and he was just so excited about all the mm-hmm. things he got to do. But you trusted him yeah. to bring in a computer and mm-hmm. to move things creatively <laughs> into the future. Like, mm-hmm. so there was trust from the beginning with just the first employees. And now we've yeah. grown to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, um, good relationships are built on trust. They're built on the fact that, you know, if um, if I extend to you a certain amount of trust, can I count on you when I need you? And mm-hmm. you don't have to ask that question. You just kind of know it. Yep. And, you know, the expectations are there. And good relationships over the years. I think Kelsey's been with us for probably 35 years. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's 34. Is I it? Think. Yeah. I think. Yeah, so. it's yeah. probably right on the cusp. We've got a number of employees that are yeah. above 25. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's great to see what they yeah. started with and who they are today within the organization. That's yeah. one of the biggest things that stood out to me when I was um, when I was looking into SA and then and being here, just getting a feel for all those folks mm-hmm. with that depth of experience, and not only a depth of experience, but a depth of experience together here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's that's hard to hard to get any other way. Yeah. Um, I, I, there's, there's a part that I want to double back to. So we, uh, everybody here, you know, and in the surrounding community, I think knows us as, as SA or you hear SA mm-hmm. and that started out, um, it, with Schreers and Associates, correct. And yeah. then that name changed at a certain point, but we kind of by a happy accident or, or so retained the SA portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think one last thing to touch on here um, mm-hmm. that could be kind of cool is to see how that name was arrived at and what that <laughs> decision was to to come up with Strategic yeah. America. Yeah. Well, actually, it started out as a, a, a an important subsidiary for our business, which was designed to handle a uh, project type of clients. Sometimes those project clients were campaign-oriented. Uh, actually, it was the uh, Iowa Caucus Project of 1996 that... We needed to work with both uh, political parties. We needed to um, be able to uh, convey something that was important strategically. And I remember standing in front of John's door and I said, well, let's keep the essay component to it so that everybody still refers to us in a, mm-hmm. in a simple code. Mm-hmm. But SA became Strategic America. And strategic in the sense that this is what clients really want. Uh, now, the question became a very high standard for us to deliver against. Mm-hmm. And the high standard is, are we being strategic? Right. It's a lot easier to be told what to do. Yep. <laughs> but when you really get to the point where you're saying, are we being strategic? You're saying, are we, uh, are, are we providing the kind of strategies and recommendations for our clients to uh, move the meter better than anything else that they would do. 
are we identifying those key steps that we have to uh, really achieve at a high level of, of optimization? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a couple of brief examples. Uh, STEM, the Governor's Council on mm-hmm. STEM. You know, when when they came to us, they, there was roughly about a 25, 26% awareness of even what STEM was. Mm-hmm. We knew that we had to increase awareness. In the first year, we, I think, increased it to around 49 or 50%. Second year, you know, it went up to around 59%. Uh, very quickly, what was happening, though, is that we were building support for what this organization was all about. It wasn't just about students. It wasn't just about educators. It was about... What what is the impact across the state uh, to industry and business? What is the impact in terms of even the dollars that are spent for education? What's the proper way to, to get the most out of them? And it very quickly became the national, if not the international, model for mm. a STEM program across the state. Now, that's not to say that we're responsible for that, although our client would say, Jeff <laughs> Weld, he would say, SA to me stands for simply amazing. Well, <laughs> then, he, then he went and became uh, the White House counsel on, um, on STEM. Mm. And, uh, that's so cool. And yeah. Uh, yeah, and he said, Mike, I've changed that. It's no longer simply amazing. It's stellar achievement. <laughs> so, oh, my God. I mean, yeah, I need him to write all of our endorsements. Oh, and- <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. That's that's some uh, kind accolades for certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is another one of those causes too. That's just such a fantastic thing to get to be a part of and see yeah. the passion and students and educators. And um, mm-hmm. we did a little work with a local mm-hmm. school here not too long ago at St. Teresa's around how they implement their STEM program and just getting to see those kids and yeah. the passion in these teachers. It's fantastic. It's such yeah. a, I mean, and it's powerful. Carries well, through. Honestly, great work should unlock that. Mm-hmm. It should give permission mm-hmm. for that kind of passion to come forth. And when it does, it's, it's no longer business as usual. Yeah. Strategic became the name in 2000, January 1st of 2000. January 1st of 2000 was known for another event, too. It was Y2K. Oh, and yeah. I don't know whether anybody remembers, but I remember looking and saying, okay, if the lights go on in Australia, <laughs> if the lights go on in Russia, if the lights go on in Paris, I guess we're okay. Yeah. But back then, no one quite knew no, whether yeah. the lights were going to go on. We got some, some lead time. Actually, and, and uh, I remember we used to do a New Year's Eve party with my family every year. And my older brother mentioned earlier, um, on Y2K, snuck back to where our fuse box was. <laughs> oh man! And that's... as the as the year turned, he hit the power, and oh, everybody was goodness. like, "What is going on?" And it, I mean, that's just a little insight into my brother and his shenanigans. But so we kind of came in on that where it could have been a disaster. Mm-hmm. We got yeah. our name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know what? People start. Uh, I I, re- I remember very quickly. I made a call to a leading client, national client out on the East Coast um, shortly after we changed our name. And I said, hi, this is Mike from Strategic America. I assume you've heard of us. And he said, yeah, it sounds like I have. I'm not exactly (laughs) sure. I need a little more clarity. But uh, yeah, it sounds like I have. Uh, And I said, well, let me tell you a little bit about what we do and how we do it. And of course, that's always what a brand does. It has to fill it with an experiential component that's Mm -hmm. relevant and meaningful. But we had the opportunity. I can tell you that many of the people in this state looked at us and said, strategic America, how audacious. (laughs) Who do you think you are? And I said, well, you know, a good brand should be a bridge to the future. Mm -hmm. And frankly, that's what the the naming of SA became, uh, a brand bridge to the future. I love 
just I assume you've heard of us. Yeah. Oh man, that's yeah. bold. Yeah. That's why yeah. you are the dare to dream and I am living the dream. That's, that's the first first foot in the door kind yeah. of statement right there. That's I awesome. I assume you've yeah. heard of us. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, I, you know, I'm excited for what's to come here. Um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm wrapping up my second year here, but I'm very excited for what's coming down the road for the industry, for Strategic America. Um, I, I think it's been awesome sitting here and chatting with you. Um, before, before we head off and we wrap up for you um, and get, get back into it for the rest of the Friday afternoon here, um, if you had a word of wisdom for, for someone in the agency or even someone maybe starting out in the agency or for a brand um, or just life wisdom in general, um, mm. is there anything that we could leave our listeners with? Well, you know, one of the great tripping points, I think, for our industry is finding that next shiny object to chase down and discover it wasn't as shiny and it wasn't as great as we (laughs) thought it would be. I mean, we have to keep our eyes on what those shiny objects are because Mm -hmm. some of them are major trends, Mm -hmm. if not shifts in the entire economic and, uh, uh, you know, the systematic way we we approach business. On the other hand... um, you know, not everything is new. And some of the core essential aspects of our industry are how do you tell a better story? Mm. How do you identify that truth that is embedded in a situation, a client, a brand, an opportunity? And then how do you make the most of it? That's what we do. That's what we always need to do. And we'll figure out the right way to deliver it. You know, it may be that we it's delivered through events. It may be that it's delivered through media. It may be, you know, in a delivery system that isn't, frankly, even evolved as of yet. Mm. But we'll figure that one out, too. That's so awesome. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's, I think, what's carried through these last several decades is, you know, we, we continue to move forward. We continue to to find better ways to execute and deliver. And, um, and yeah, it may not be here yet, but when it is, we'll be ready. I just want to thank you for not only being on this podcast, but for being so bold to start this company and to build the relationships you have to give all of us Mm -hmm. our dreams, like with your dream. Mm -hmm. So if I had known everything that I'd have to address, I probably would have pulled the blanket over my <laughs> but that said that is not a that is not a position that I've ever tried to live with so yeah there's a certain amount of boldness and there's yeah. a certain amount of belief that you know what you're truly alive when you're doing things that are that that allow you to feel that way mm-hmm. and you know I think this business and this company and the people and the promise is still if not more so alive today than it ever was yeah. when we got started Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here and being you. Yeah, yep. I you. cannot think of a better way to wrap that up. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Mike, thank you so much for taking time on your Friday afternoon to come in and sit with us and, and for building this place and continuing to push us all forward. Um, if you're listening and you're a new listener out there, you can find more episodes of ASAP at strategicofamerica.com slash ASAP, or you can check us out on Spotify or iTunes. If you're listening on either of those platforms, please go down and drop us a review. We would mm-hmm. greatly appreciate yeah, that. Tell um, your friends. Absolutely. Share it and pass it around. And we will see you guys next week. ASAP, a Strategic America podcast, is produced inside the walls of Strategic America, a marketing agency located in West Des Moines, Iowa. Visit strategicamerica.com ASAP for more.